Tonight's reading comes from Exodus 19. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone forth out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. And when they set out from the Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, they encamped in the wilderness, and there Israel encamped before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my own possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words which the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Lo, I am coming to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you, and may also believe you forever. Then Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments, and be ready by the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai, in the sight of all the people. And you shall set bounds for the people round about, saying, Take heed that you do not go up into the mountain, or touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, Be ready. By the third day, do not go near a woman. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. And Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. And also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out upon them. And Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to the Mount Sinai, for thou thyself didst charge us, saying, Set bounds about the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, Go down and come up, bringing Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them the word of the Lord.
God hasn't always been like this, like the way God is now. God used to be different. I mean, even in the time since I've known God, God has changed. Like the things that God used to care so much about, God doesn't seem as hung up on anymore. I mean, those things have changed. Like, God's not really as hung up on the rules as God used to be when I was a kid. God's not obsessed with individual salvation the way God, he used to be. No. Um, he was so worried about that stuff. And yeah, he. <laughs> I mean, yeah, even as recently as when I was in junior high, God was still a man. I mean, back before was God, God was all into this grace and mercy, God was, like, really hung up on, like, things like righteousness and right behavior. I'm not saying that God has matured or grown or whatever, because that would imply some sort of value judgment, some measuring of better or worse. And I think when it comes to God, it just maybe it just doesn't apply. But really, even further back than when I was born, God was, like, way different. God, I mean, back before God was rational, back before God was stable, before God was reliable, trustworthy, God was sometimes a little hard to read. I mean, people were not always completely sure where they stood with God. Before God believed in democracy and the value of the individual and equal rights for everyone, God loved dictators and praised tyrants and led their armies and cheered their victories. Yeah, back before God mainly like stayed in America, um, back before God vanquished the deities of Northern and Western Europe and was like at the heart of their culture, God used to be from the East, like the Mideast, like Africa. God is different. Like back before God was um, gentle and peaceful, before was, God was like calm and understanding, God could get pretty volatile, violent even, destructive. Loving, yes, God was always loving. God is love, right? So whatever God is like, that's what love is like, right? I mean, even if it doesn't always look that way, like a loving God sort of way of being, sometimes it looks like some pretty dark dysfunction, to be honest with you. I mean, but God, way, way back, God was totally into the dark stuff. Like the really dark stuff and the formless and void stuff, too. Like way back before there was even time. No one has any idea what God was even doing back then. God didn't even make any light, just hanging out with the formless and void doing, like, who knows what. God has really changed. God has really changed. I mean, way back before God blessed the Prius and canvas shopping bags, before God beatified sustainable farming and the humane treatment of animals, God, like, almost destroyed the whole planet. Really, the whole planet killed practically all the animals and everyone but, like, 12 people flooded the whole world. So God was not always the environmentalist God is today. And didn't the whole universe, like, start because he liked blowing stuff up? 
Yeah, way back before God believed in absolute and universal truth, God was kind of all over the map about things. Back before there was an answer to every question, even back before, like, having an answer to every question was seen as a good thing, God was just, like, really mysterious. Like, mostly people had no clue what God was like. They didn't know anything about what God was like. I mean, except maybe God was God. That's what they knew. God was God, and there was no, like, certain way God was. That was just God. And so wherever, however God was, that's what God was, was like. There was no, like, logical definition that God must adhere to in order to qualify to be God. Like, God must be all-knowing, all-powerful, omni-everything. I mean, God was pretty powerful, like, scary powerful. Like, people were really afraid of God a long time ago. Can you imagine? That's how God used to be. People were really afraid of God, but not all the time. But God could get pretty scary. But also God could be, like, real nice and friendly, you know, and vulnerable. Yeah, I know. It seems really contrary to the way God is now. But believe it or not, God used to be really vulnerable. Yeah, and not just, like, when, when like, that time when God let us kill him, like even way, way before that. Um, way back after he delivered the people out of slavery in Egypt, like in the story that Rachel just read today, this is like, I love this story because God is feeling like so vulnerable and so unsure of God's self. You see, like in all of the ways that God has changed over time, there's always been one constant. Since God created people, God loved us like mad. Just fell in love with us. And early on, like, God didn't know how to be in a relationship. I mean, God had existed outside of time for, like, I don't know how long. Just there sitting with God's self. So, you know, presumably God just did whatever God wanted to do. But then God created the stuff, and God really liked this, what God made. Then God made people and was, like, totally smitten. But because he'd never been in a relationship before, God maybe, like, overreacted on the flood thing. But God swore never to do it again. Now, even though God talked with Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and a few others, and now Moses... This, what we read tonight, is the first time that God is going to meet, like, all the people. This is when God is going to meet the people of Israel, the people that he just uh, saved from slavery. And guess what? He's going to propose. And he's nervous. And he's, like, really unsure, you know? And so... After they are wandering out in the wilderness for a while, and they come to Sinai, Moses goes up to talk to God. And um, God is practicing God's proposal on Moses. And says, so go tell, um, how about this? I'm going to say, like, remember when I brought you out, and I put you out, like, I flew you out of there, like, on eagle's wings, and um, if you'll just... Uh, 
if you'll just be mine, I will make you a holy nation. He's really nervous, but he's really excited. And so he's like, okay, all right, go down now and tell the people, okay? Tell the people what I said. So Moses goes down and he puts every, brings everybody together and says, you know, guess what? God wants you to be God. And all the people say, everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Yes. Tell God, yes. So Moses goes up and he reports, goes back to the Lord. And um, then the Lord, and the Lord is super excited. And he says, okay. He starts planning right away what he's going to wear. That's the first thing God, God says. I'm going to be in like a really big cloud. What do you think about that? I'm going to come down and I'm going to be wearing like a really big cloud. And you tell them, like, go clean all of their clothes and stuff like that. And so they're looking really nice. And then like three days and I'll come down in the cloud. And then he's excited, but then he's like a little unsure. He's like, okay, look, tell them not to come too close though. Okay? They can't come all the way up the mountain because he, he still feels bad about the flood thing and he knows he's very powerful and he just, if he gets too excited, he doesn't know what he's going to do. He really feels like he says, the, uh, the text says that he will break out against them if they come too close. He's afraid he's going to hurt them because he's a little unsure, he's vulnerable, but he's like, he's God, you know? And it's like a, I don't know, like a hundred-story toddler, you know? He doesn't know what he's going to do. And so he's like, tell them they can't, you know, they can't really come, come too close. And so they go down there, and the big day comes, and he was just going to wear the cloud, but he kind of overdoes it, and he's got, he comes with fire and thunder and stuff like that, and it's just really freaking everybody out. And he's freaking him out too, and he's like, um, to, wait, Moses, come up here, come up here. Like Moses is like the best man. Come up here. Look, tell them again, tell them not to come too close. And Moses is like, I already told them that. They know that they're not gonna come too close, you know. So he's like, oh, it goes back down. And then he's all freaked out and so worried and so giddy, and just then he um seems to pull himself together or change personality or something because the next very next thing he does is give them a list of rules to follow and it just kind of seems out of the blue he just like after this after what we read tonight he gives them yeah he just gives them this list of rules it just doesn't seem like something that a god who's giddy in love would present to the lover a list of rules. It's not what you'd give, a love-struck groom would give to his bride. I mean, you could see these rules as sort of like maybe vows or something, you know? But I don't know how many of us would be married if we refer to our vows as commandments, you know? <laughs> but... Um, and it's like the first four are kind of about God, and then the other six are about property rights. So it just seems kind of a little bit odd. I mean, some scholars say that this is, you get in 
this part of the tour, like competing traditions of, of recording what went on and what God is like. And so maybe you have this Gideon love crazy God, and then this other group of people just inserts these rules in there. Maybe where this an editor today wouldn't necessarily put them. But what's always interesting is like why they get inserted, where, why there. And, um, well, I mean, you know how God is now, right? Super nice. You just, sometimes you don't even notice he's God's there, you know? But this, before then, God was just kind of crazy, very mysterious. You didn't know what was going to happen. And God, it didn't seem like God really did either, you know? Um, but super fun. It was a great, really a lot of fun. Um, but it could get dangerous. But what you see here is like this set of rules gets inserted in there. And it's like some people say, well, this is sort of like, this is the beginning of the urge to sort of domesticate God. The beginning of the, of the movement to demystify God. To regulate God. Because if you have God setting down a set of rules for God's lover, for us, then that sort of defines who God is as well. God is the person for whom these rules are required that you follow. That's the kind of God you've got here. That's the personality you've got here. Really into... Uh, Property rights. So these rules are put in there to demystify God and to begin to regulate God and domesticate God. And this has sort of been going on ever since then. And God is, yeah, God's a lot more reliable now. Not as much fun. But you know where you stand. I mean, I do like the more reliable God, and I like the mercy stuff and all that, and I just, you know, I'm not saying I want to see, like, a lot of fire and thunder and stuff. I mean, it could be scary. Maybe all this stuff, like, I don't know, so if we, what if this, we were trying to domesticate God and all these rules and all these structures and all the things we say is righteousness and good and democracy and all that stuff. These, I mean, I don't know. I wonder how many of our human structures and systems that we put in place actually do have some underlying righteousness to them. That maybe God is in some of them. This is maybe, I mean, we know how they can be harmful. Or maybe we just really are, this is like, this is how we see God. I mean, God. You know, I was thinking about all the different ways that God has changed and all the different ways people have seen God over so much time. And I was thinking about when my daughter Maria, she was like, I don't know, just a little bit more than a toddler. And I was a young father, so I paid a lot of attention to her. Um, 
And we would just play, and she would want to play all these games, and she would, like, want me to dress up, and she'd want to, like, put, ma- put makeup on me and, like, you know, flowers, and I would be a nurse sometimes, or I'd be, sometimes I'd be, like, a wolf or a bear, or just sometimes I'd be all, I would be anything she wanted me to be. And I never worried one time that she was really going to think I was a bear, or that I would hurt her, that I was a nurse. Her view of me and what she was wanting me to be at that time and how she saw me had no power at all to affect who I really was. The only thing that she had that could affect who I really was was my vulnerability because I loved her. <laughs> 